Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Breathe on us. Breathe that spirit of life in us and cause us once again to, to form and to become the people you gave us life to be. And now it's almost necessary that I go back weeks to kind of recap and bring you up to speed. And I probably won't be able to say anything fresh today because it'll take that long to get there. But I'm, I'm going to just chop it up a little bit. And those of you who have been coming to church, uh, continue to come and bring somebody to church who needs to hear a message of life. But we know since the beginning the reason that you and I are able to breathe is because the initial breath that was given to us came from the very mouth of God. We know that when the Lord created Adam, the Bible says that he breathed into his nostrils. And immediately the Bible says he became a living being. And so today we continue to ask God to continue breathing upon us that we might become those living worshipers and living people that will uplift and glorify the name of the Lord. We've established thus far, ladies and gentlemen, that without him we'll never be successful Christians. You want to know why people keep walking away from the Lord and and why their walks are shady all the time. They walk around half-baked because of their lack of relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's all it is. I'm not suggesting this is the truth. This is the truth. The Lord said that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, would lead us into all truth and remind us of everything that Christ said. When we turn away from God and don't walk with him, it's because we forget. That means you're not listening to the voice of his spirit. And so we've established that we cannot be successful Christians. We'll never be a successful overcomer. You'll never be able to fight your battles and walk out in victory unless it be by his spirit. You'll never be victorious. You'll never be a soul winner. We pray for souls. I wonder sometimes why you haven't brought anybody to church or led anybody to Christ. Oh, I was doing so good until that point. You wonder why you speak to the ungodly or those who don't believe and your words fade and fall to the ground powerless. And they say, oh, that's nice. Thanks. And they leave and nothing happens. But yet Peter said, your words are life. And the Bible says that that very word of life that Peter accepted, he preached in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. And when he spoke, the hearts of the people were cut. And the first thing that came from their mouths in response to Peter's word uh, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit was this. What shall we do to be saved? And so we worry. I keep talking to my friends and I, I keep telling people and as if nothing 
Have you prayed before you speak to somebody? Have you spent time in relation to the Holy Spirit? Say, Lord, speak to me. The Bible said that his word is like a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. There's no way you can give God's word and not cut the heart. Unless there is no power in his word. Or there is no power in the carrier. Ah, you remember when Paul was walking through the city and he met some sorcerers who had seven sons, according to Scripture. And they had seen how Paul had been exercising demons and delivering people and all these things. And then these guys were the biggest show in the city. They said, let's do what Paul is doing. And so they began to invoke this name and begin to push and try to push against the evil spirits of hell. And one of the days, because they simply thought that what you speak, that's all that matters. No, ladies and gentlemen, please don't be confused. Not everything you say, even if you say Jesus a million times, means anything. You could never pray over somebody just because you're a simple or a very uh, uh, prepared uh, orator and, and can say all these fancy adjectives and nouns and all these things and you're just a master of synonyms. It means nothing. People say a lot of things and it means nothing. And so these men thought that because uh, Paul was saying these things, all they had to do was rehearse the same Little speeches he was given. And one day it irritated the devil. And the Bible says that the devil stood in front of Sceva. And he said, listen to me, my little friend. You've been poking at me a little bit here. But let me teach you something. You see, Jesus I know. <laughs> and Paul, <laughs> I know. But who are you and the bible says that he tore them loose and sent them out naked running from the city so let me just say to you today that unless we speak in the spirit of the lord souls will never be saved lives will never be changed we'll never be able to give jesus true glory unless we embrace his holy spirit we can't be ignorant of him anymore if we truly want to move forward. This journey we're taking in Christ is supposed to be a victorious one. But yet sometimes, you'll agree with me, we feel like failures. And we think it's some great mathematical problem, some great spiritual problem that we have to figure out why. No, 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 it's very simple. It's our necessity of working with the power of the Lord through His Spirit. There is no failure there. We spoke about a lot of things. And I'm refreshing my own spirit to remember these things. But I want to speak to you about Him and give you more a lesson plan than a sermon. I began to speak to you just a few weeks ago on how the Lord so gracefully... Gave us names that we could understand to be able to identify with who he is. What his character is and his abilities and capabilities are. 
And so I mentioned to you last time on how the Bible allows us to call him Jehovah Shalom, which is an understandable word, and we understand it to be peace. So we know that God wants us to know that he can give us peace. And we spoke of Jehovah Rapha, we spoke of Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Adonai, Jehovah Elohim. All these names we spoke about. And I mentioned to you, and this is where I'm going this morning. I mentioned to you on how the Lord allows himself to be named names that are understandable to us. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you just a couple of things this morning that I hope will get you to know him a little bit more and reverence him more. How many know that the Holy Spirit needs to be reverenced today? I said, how many know that the Holy Spirit needs to be reverenced today? We play too much with him. We taunt him. We grieve him too much. And this is why in many churches you'll find dead services. You'll find pastors with no zeal to preach the gospel. Trying to find mimics and trying to find little things to entertain people more than to give them the word of life. How many know that we have to reverence the Holy Spirit more? Let me give you some names that you might understand and you'll refer to him as such because the Bible does. The Bible calls him the Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. John 7 and 38. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture said, streams of, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. He is given the name the Spirit. And I want to simply give you two reasons I believe that we are given that name to uh, understand about him. It explains two things. First of all, it expresses his divine composition. It teaches us what he's made of. The Bible says that he is like God, who is spirit. John 4 and 24, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him. Come on. In spirit and in truth. This clearly demonstrates for us, ladies and gentlemen, that the spirit of the Lord is not mortal in body, in physical parts, in physical passions. He is spirit. He is distinct from everything that is material. Essentially, he is pure and perfect as is the Lord our God. If we are moved to give the Lord all honor and glory because he is perfect and pure in state and composition, holy and without stain or wrinkle, then we are to give the Holy Spirit the same reverence. Because he is like God, spirit. We are called to bring and keep this spirit, his Holy Spirit in the highest ranks of our regards and respect. To offer him anything else would be to reveal our ignorance of his true identity, inseparable part of God that he is. It's when we think that he is separate 
and only give God the glory, if you will, that we shun the perfection of the holiness of the Spirit, we grieve Him. You can, like I said, you can never worship God unless you work with His Spirit. You grieve the Spirit of the Lord. You push Him out when you disregard Him and all you do is talk about God. I know that God is great and wonderful, but He's inclusive with His Spirit. You need to speak and identify and reverence the Spirit of the Lord the same way. Secondly, the fact that he is the spirit, it reveals his mode of operation or how he works. In the scripture, as I began to speak to you this morning, many times he is metaphorically identified or spoken of as the breath of God, the wind of heaven, ultimately describing him being invisible but yet life-giving. That's what breath is. It's invisible, but yet it is life-giving. The same spirit, wind, and breath that was experienced in Ezekiel 37, you've seen him at work. So I prophesied, the prophet says, as he commanded me, and breath entered them. This is the valley of the dry bones. You've all read or heard the story. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breathe, uh, breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. This is the same breath that we are speaking about. He is spirit. You cannot see him, but yet you know he is life-giving. You know, I was speaking to some young people just the other day. As a matter of fact, let me just mention Saturday we had such a wonderful time with the young adults. We baptized three of them, and, uh, and wow, it was a phenomenal time. And God is doing great things. And uh, we, we thank uh, the Aguirre family for kindly opening their home. We went in there. We had a great time, and we baptized these people. You see, God is moving even during the week, and we need to keep about his business. How many know that that's important? And I was speaking to them, and I was as I studied on the Holy Spirit, I, I, the Lord just led me a couple of days ago in the morning, and I got giddy in my spirit. I got so happy, and I've been, I want you to know that, I, that I, I'm dealing with him in a different fashion now, even today. You know, I was thinking about the gifts of the Spirit. And the Bible says that obviously that peace and joy and long-suffering and patience and all these things are Gifts of the Spirit. They're characteristics of Him. Say amen. amen. You know this, right? But then the Lord, as I was praying, I, I said, Lord, your Spirit is wonderful. and we, I'm thankful that we can work in peace and love and all these things that you offer us through Him. But then the Lord took me to a passage that really blew my mind. And it's out of Acts chapter 2, verse 2. And it describes this gentle spirit that I'm talking to you about today in a very different fashion and form. It shows a side of him that few people know about or recognize when they read about it or really bring it into life or into existence into their understanding. Acts chapter 2, verse 2. Is it up there? 
Listen to what it says. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a what? Yikes. The blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house and they were where they were sitting. But the word that popped out into my heart and made me weep even at the thought, I, I was afraid that I might speak something ill against him. But the word is so, there's the irony of speaking of someone so gentle and wonderful as the Holy Spirit. Now he is described as violent. He is described as, when you think of violence, you think of a swelling of power. And so I begin to look for that word and I said, it certainly cannot mean the kind of violence I express. Because we destroy things when we're violent. Normally words like violence from the pulpit are not welcome because anytime you speak of violence, you're speaking of some criminal that's going to jail because he beat his wife in violence or hit his children in violence or got off and beat up somebody in violence or he got crazy and was violent. So he cannot be talking about my God. He cannot be talking about the Spirit of the Lord. And so I begin to research. Father, what are you saying? Is this truly a part of that gentle wind and life-giving breath you've given us? And I learned that in the scriptures, in the Greek, there's a word called viadzo. And I begin to look for definitions and to find this truth about the Holy Spirit that I would pray somehow benefit me. Oh, and I'm telling you, it has benefited me great. But there's a whole bunch of definitions that we find. But there is one that the Lord led me to. And I will give you this if you need to write it or remember it in your brain if you can. It means someone who does not tolerate resistance. Think about that. Someone... Who does not tolerate, tolerate resistance. That is, if you push him, he'll push you back. If you try to hold him down, he'll break loose. Someone who is intolerant to an opposing power. And I began to pray. I said, Lord, I needed to know about this. And I began to think about sickness. I begin to think about addictions. I think I begin to think about devils. I, I begin to think about oppression. Why do they stick around even after we pray? Could it be because we're not asking the Holy Spirit to come in violence and come against the resistance of the things that come to oppress the children of God? Oh, it excited me to know that I serve a violent God. Hey, I'm on social media. They're probably going to write about me because of this. Oh, he's a gentle, sweet, loving. Yes, he is. You make no mistake. But I love to know that my God, when things come against him, he doesn't sit back and retreat. But he'll stand up and say, bring it. No wonder he brought meaning to John chapter 3 verse 7. I want this to bless you because I want you to begin to pray in the spirit from today after. And whenever you feel resistance of something in your life, say, Lord, 
Holy Spirit, uh, turn it loose. Resist. Come against this resistance in my life. John 3 and 7. Listen to this. If you gloss over it, it's very sweet and it's nice. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again, Jesus said. See, the wind blows. What? What? Those aren't friendly words. Those aren't things you want to hear from your children. I go wherever I want. Man, you men have tried to say that to your wife and you can't win. Hey, I didn't marry you to take my right. I go wherever I want. Oh, really? But think about what it's saying about the spirit of the Lord. It goes wherever it wants. You know what that tells me? That he'll push through any door. Doesn't matter. Oh, don't go up that way. Oh, don't go that way. Oh, don't move that way. Or oh, don't do this. I'll go wherever I want. The wind goes wherever it pleases. He says, you hear it sounds, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. It owes you no explanation. He doesn't have to ask you for permission to do what he wants. He doesn't have to say, well, listen, I hope a Rock of Ages lets me. You will either bend or you will break because God is going to have his way, hallelujah, in the house of God. This is why people wrestle with their lives all the time because the Holy Spirit is all over you. But yet you want to run around and mess around and do this thing and the Lord will grab you by the neck of your heart and you come back six months later going, I'm back, I'm back. Why? Because you can't resist him. He has a plan, and he'll fulfill it. Who can stop him? There's a Hebrew word called kabas in this very same passage. Turn with me, if you will, guys, on the PC to Matthew eleven twelve. It where I can read it. Matthew 11, 12, guys. Listen to what it says here. Now, you want to talk about inclusion? You want to say, like, is it possible that God uh, will accept us coming in by force with the Holy Spirit to receive the blessings of the Lord? Well, I don't know. You, you be the judge. Verse 12 says, from the days of John the Baptist until now. Everybody say now. The kingdom of heaven has been subjected to what? To violence. You know what subjected means? To bring under subjection. If you want a proper meaning, it's basically saying it brings into bondage. That is, you hold it captive. You make it give you. This is one scripture that to me is a very hard saying. Because if you're not careful, you can misexplain. And you make God to be someone you can imprison as we talked about Jesus last week. But yet God gives us authority through his spirit. To 
to shake it. To shake it for the fruit. To shake it for the blessing. To shake it for the healing. To shake it for the deliverance. To shake it. Has been subjected to violence. <laughs> and who? I don't want anybody walking up here starting a fight. And violent people have been raiding it. You know what raiding means? <laughs> Isn't this a, an awesome verse? It doesn't it open up and let you know, like, hold on a second. I haven't been taking what's mine. I've been dealing with I've been dealing with the leftovers. God gave me the blessing. And I'm dealing with whatever Satan has convinced me to take. Uh, you can't touch that. Oh, you can't touch your total healing. You can suppress your healing. You can learn how to live with that addiction. Just appease it. Learn to take this pill to suppress it. And he's given you things that you're now learned and, uh, and trained to live by. But you're not taking what God has given you. The Lord said, shake me. Did he not say that in the book of Malachi when it comes to giving your tithes unto the Lord? He said, try me in these things. Shake me. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. And what this passage teaches us here is that there are violence in the Holy Spirit that all of us can embrace that righteous wrath of God. That gives us authority to shake the throne of God for the things that we need. Hallelujah. You're asking me if we need the Holy Spirit, really? You're trying to walk your walk with God without walking in step with the Spirit of God? No wonder we're bankrupt in blessing. No wonder we're always sick. No wonder we're always frustrated. No wonder our children are oppressed and addicted. No wonder our marriages are falling apart. No wonder there is no joy. No wonder you can sit here during worship and sit there like a bump on a log and feel absolutely nothing. No wonder. Well, I, 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 I wanted to worship, but I've got so many problems. Oh, I wanted to, but man, you know, I kind of upset because my uh, my kids uh, talk back to me, or oh, you know, we're kind of struggling right now, so I'm depressed, and I just didn't feel nothing at service. That should be something that could get you mad. I've come to the house of God to be blessed, and if the devil wants to do anything about it. I can turn violence on and resist the oppressor and push him back. Shake the throne of God and take for myself what God has promised me. Oh, trust me, this is not a rebellious statement I'm giving you here, a rebellious speech. All this is in reverence, but this is who he is. We, the Lord speaks about his wrath Many times in Scripture. That's a characteristic and a, person, a, a, a personal thing about him. He's love and peace, patient, long-suffering, graceful, 
joyful, all these beautiful things you could ever think of and read about. But we should not, to our benefit, forget that the Lord can resist those things that come against us. And so you know what my prayer is now? My prayer is that the Lord stand to resist whatever stops revival in this house. I said, it's my prayer that the Lord draw his sword in violence and fight against whatever devil and spirit that wants to come to steal your joy. I am praying that God stand up and puff his gigantic, glorious, righteous chest out and stand in defense for his children. And when the devil comes to fill our minds or your hearts with sadness that you can worship, that the Lord would come and intercept you and resist the devil with violence and give you the courage to become violent yourself to shake the very throne of God. You know, anytime there's fruits on a tree and they're ripe, I don't know if you ever did this, but we did. We shake the tree, and all the oranges would fall to the ground. This is the same principle. This is what God wants to teach us concerning his spirit. Shake his tree. Turn around and tell your neighbors, shake his tree. Shake it. What do you need? He's got it. Shake it. What Jesus meant simply is that. There's nothing to resist him by telling us that this wind goes back and forth wherever he wants to. And church, I'm here to tell you, and I'm done this morning so much. I've not even started too much. But we'll take it up again this coming week, yes? But I want you to know it's time for us to understand how he works and who he is. Until you truly know what he is, who he is, and how he works, you'll never be able to enjoy the full company of him. I challenge you this morning to begin to pray in violence. To bring the subject, the throne of God, and say, Lord, I'm reminded, I think that this could be an analogy that we could use scripturally. You remember blind Bartimaeus? Anybody remember blind Bartimaeus? The Bible says that Jesus was walking through there. And this blind guy was by the, road of the, the side of the road. And these guys are normally outcasts. They're thrown aside and get out of the way because someone they're paying homage to and royalty is passing by here. And there goes Jesus walking with a crowd of people. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the cheers and all these things and possibly even sneers around those who were jealous of him, he hears this. Jesus! Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that in the midst of all the noise, Jesus walks and goes, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. That was Bartimaeus going. 
How's Bartimaeus embracing the tree? Ah, it's got to give me fruit. It's got to give me, they say he's the master of fruit. Uh, he's got everything. He's got, he's got my eyesight. I need to shake it loose. Jesus said, you have not because you shake not. You have not because you ask not. You don't take time to stop him on the way. You've heard me from this pulpit time and time again, even during worship, I said, it's your time. He's within the reach of the sound of your voice. Time to get your hands out of your pocket, lift them up, and if nobody else is yelling, you shout, Jesus, son of David. I don't know who needs your mercy, but I'm telling you, come and have mercy on me. And so you see the clouds of his glory landing on people. Ah, be warned. Not all people. Sorry. Can't nobody be rained on and you like. Can't nobody be being poured on and blessing it. It doesn't work that way. Get your own glory. Get your own blessing. You remember the ten virgins? Oh, God, all these scriptures just coming to my head. <laughs> you remember they were told to fill their lamp? Remember, Godwin? Better remember, son, even after you leave today. They told them, are your lamps filled? Ah, we'll just go later on, man. No big thing. It's getting closer. So finally they decided to go. And during that time, the bridegroom, cream, but, uh, bridegroom came. But in the course, they said, hey, listen, uh, it's really far to the, to the oil store, man. Can you give us some of yours? Can you let some of that rain sprinkle on me? He said, ah, sorry, dude. Sorry, man. This is only enough for me. When I'm being blessed, don't be jumping on my parade, man. Hallelujah. There's only glory enough for me. There's only glory enough for me. You need the glory of the Lord, then shake the tree. You need the glory of the Lord, walk according to his spirit. You need blessing from God, shake the tree of God so God can bless you and pour his rain of glory upon your life. Oh, I'm telling you, young people, just because mom and dad are being blessed, uh, there's no free ride on this one. Uh-uh. You can eat them out of house and home and eat all the food and refrigerator, but you'll never be able to eat their glory. The blessing that God has for them. I've got my own as I ask you to stand this morning. Have you been violent enough to allow the Spirit of the Lord to reveal His strength and resist the oppressions that you have? Those of you at home listening to me, have you allowed the Holy Spirit to move in your life in violence?
to come against those things you've been praying for against your home. You need that son saved to shake the tree. You need that marriage healed. Shake the tree. You need your husband saved to shake the tree. You need poverty to loosen your home. Shake the tree. Since the days of John the Baptist, the Bible says, the very kingdom of God has been subjected to violence. And the violent are shaking the very waste of God for the goods of heaven. What do you need this morning? What have you been praying for? What have you been asking God to do in your life? What have you seen resistance for in your life? It's time to stand up. Just like blind Bartimaeus, just like the woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the crowds of people just to touch and shake his hem and get what she needed. You need a miracle? Shake the tree. Shake the throne of God. You need deliverance? Shake the throne of God. You need peace, joy? Shake the throne of God. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.